Today we get to do something a little unique, a little special that I'm really excited for. On Easter, we had a digital survey that, that we asked if anyone wanted to fill it out. They, are more, they were more than welcome to. And the, the survey asked two questions. The first one was, what are you struggling with? And the second one was, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? So we took all of those answers, we tallied them up, we prayed over them, and then we're going to spend this weekend and next weekend investing some time on answering these questions. There are as many as we can get to. So we have a panel this weekend, we have a panel next weekend as well, but before we get into too much more, can we welcome our panel with a round of applause? So we're going to go down and introduce you to them. So could you please share with us your name? your job title, and because it's my son's fourth birthday today, one of your favorite presents that you got when you were younger. So it could be anywhere from last year to, uh, to when you were four years old. So as you're thinking of it, uh, for me, it would be this giant Ninja Turtle that I had, uh, that my dad actually bought me three of them. They were like this big, so that was one of my favorite gifts, and uh, that's enough time for you guys to think of one. So, all right, would you like uh, to kick us off? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm Barry Liker. I'm the executive pastor here at New Life. And favorite gift? Um, every year, my wife asks what I want for Father's Day, and every year I ask that if they could all please leave. And <laughs> last year, she's like, "We're gonna leave for the day," and I'm like, "Oh, this is incredible." <laughs> I laid on the couch. I took a nap. I watched. Dad action movies. It was, my wife gets me. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And that's, then we came back and had dinner together. What a cheap and thoughtful gift. I know. That's wonderful. I know. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Kristen Widener, and I am the children's pastor here at New Life. And um, when I was a little kid, I always really wanted to be a Disney princess. Um, and so when I was... Any in particular or all of them? Well, any of them? honestly, all of them. Like, I thought I was Jasmine in the morning <laughs> on the carpet. And, like, I thought I was Ariel on the rock outside. So, all right. you yeah. know, I, I mixed it up. But this specific <laughs> gift I got was a bell costume. And it was, oh, oh everything. Yeah. yeah. And that... <laughs> That was the best gift I ever got. Perfect. That's great. <laughs> a little different than Barry's, but still good. All right. And, and next. Uh, my name's Ken Nelson. I'm the uh, director of operations here at New Life. Um, the one that stands out the most, my parents had got me, I don't even know how old it was, probably like eight. But all I wanted was like a brand new bike that I could like design. And so it had the yellow fiberglass rims. It had this obnoxious paint job. It was like all BMXed out, like it was super cool. Um, and then I used to ride it up, try to ride it up trees with friends of mine. Um, so my parents <laughs> really didn't appreciate that because it was like an expensive bike. But um, I just remember seeing that bike and was like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. When you were starting to describe it, I know you ride motorcycles. So I was like, did they give him a motorcycle when he was <laughs> eight years old? <laughs> Parents do that, hey, but hey. hey it's hey, a 250, fun. just a starter. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. Uh, Ken, can you share a little bit about, so director of operations is your job title. What is that? What is that? Yeah, so I, I basically am involved in just every day-to-day -day operations. Um, that can range from just set up and tear down stuff in, you know, janitorial needs around the church, um, trying to make sure nothing explodes, blows up, floods, that kind of thing. Um, everything, so... Awesome. Thanks, Ken. Now that we know you guys a little bit, let's dive into some of these questions. So, Barry, first question's for you. How can I practice spiritual disciplines amongst the busyness of life? 
Yeah, I think the first thing that we have to acknowledge and kind of wrap our arms around is that our culture exalts busyness like it's a virtue, right? Like, there is something about us that we feel like being busy is a, is a good thing or that it's something that we ought to achieve. Uh, I don't know about your schedule, but our schedule as a family only becomes more complex as our kids get older, as we're involved in different things. And so every month, my wife and I sit down at least once or twice a month, and we look at our schedule, and I've developed like this little catchphrase, and we say it at the beginning of every time we kind of get together, and that is, we will fight for simplicity. And I would argue that in our culture, we have to fight for simplicity. Um, and I think some of us are like, oh yeah, like if you're a mom in our culture, I, my heart breaks for you because like there is this image of motherhood, of doing all of these things that my wife shares with me sometimes, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to even try to begin to get into all of that. So we have to fight for simplicity, and part of simplicity is doing the basics that God's called us to do, because Scripture makes it clear that as we abide in Him, as we abide in Jesus, His truth, His love is what pours forth from us. John 15 makes that really clear with the vine and the branches, 15 or 16. But anyway, so... For me, in my life, over the last several years, and understand, this has taken years, okay? We're not talking like a couple of weeks, but a couple of many years, maybe even a decade. Uh, I have carved out what I consider to be some non-negotiables when it comes to spiritual disciplines. One is my time with the Lord in the morning. That is a non-negotiable for me. Short of an emergency or illness or something unforeseen, uh, I'm doing that most every morning, Okay. Um, in addition to that, uh, my Sabbath has become non-negotiable pretty predominantly over the past three years, and really in particular over the past two as I've pressed into some additional responsibilities because I know that if I don't take that rest, no one wants to be with me. I, you just wouldn't. I would be miserable to live with or interact with. Um, I need that rest. I take some comfort in the fact that people have been struggling with this for centuries, and I can prove it to you. In the Old Testament, God said to the people of Israel, listen, every seventh year, you get a year off. It's called a Sabbath year. You can read about it in Leviticus 23, 24, 25. He's like, every seventh year, you get a year off. Now, they farmed. And he's like, don't worry about it. In the sixth year, I'll provide so much, you don't need to worry about the seventh year. And then the seventh, seventh year, which was the 49th year, they got that year off. And then on the 50th year was the year of Jubilee, all this stuff around that. We won't get into it, to it, into it today. But they got another year off, two years off in a row. Think about it. God's like, I'll provide for you. The fields will be taken care of. You don't need to do that. You get rest. We have absolutely no record that the people of Israel ever actually did that. None. Not one. You know, you would think that in the Chronicles of the Kings, it'd be like, in the second year of King Hezekiah, they celebrated Jubilee. Nope. Why? Because we don't actually think God can take care of it. And that's where the busyness comes from in our culture. We have this image in our mind that we think we need to achieve and that God can't actually get it done, so we'd better help. It's not true. It all comes down, as Pastor Chris says, to trust and control. So in spiritual disciplines, there's a lot that's woven into that, and it, we are fighting an uphill battle in our culture. But I would encourage you, fight for simplicity. Carve out some of the time for those disciplines. It will take years. But you look back, and my life is completely different today than what it was even a handful of years ago, thanks to what God has provided and afforded me in those times.
Thanks, Pastor Barry. And those things won't just happen by chance. They happen when you plan them out. And the cool thing is, no matter how much time it feels like it's going to take up, I've never walked away from a spiritual discipline moment, whether it's prayer or fasting or whatever, and been like, that was a waste of time. Like, I shouldn't have prayed today. It always feels like God rewards that time and he grows us closer to him. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Kristen, so next question for you. How do I deal with anxiety and stress so I can let go and allow God to lead and take control? So we're at this theme, again, of control, but how do we allow God to lead amongst or amidst anxiety and stress in our lives? Yeah, so giving God control is a lot easier whenever his plan aligns with our plan, but whenever it doesn't, that's when things start to get a little bit rocky or wonky, Wonky, as Barry likes to say. Um, And there are two different kinds of anxiety that I'm going to bring up. One is clinical anxiety, and that does typically require medication to help you. But the other is the kind of anxiety that is stress-induced because we are not putting our trust in God. And a few weeks ago, I was listening to a message by Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church, and he said something that was really it really stuck out to me. And he said to think of the area in your life that you have the most fear. And you can plug in the word stress or anxiety, and that is the area that you trust God the least. And so whenever I heard that, I started listing the things that I'm really anxious about. And every single one of those things, I cannot see the likely outcome. And I'm not trusting God to have control over that situation. And so there's a lot of things that we can do to help us really give God control over our lives. And there's three that I'm going to bring up right now. Um, One is to just acknowledge and admit that something in your life really does need to change. Another is to identify that stronghold um, that's giving you so much anxiety and bring it to God in prayer. So whatever that may be, whether it's that your children are not following Jesus right now, whether it's you just got a really scary cancer diagnosis, or you just graduated college and you don't have a job yet, or you're about to graduate high school and you have no idea what to do with your life. Um, Those are all the things that you can just let go and give your anxiety and worry over to God because the reality is is that we have no control over any of those things and we can't predict what's going to happen but God will always be there for you when you don't know what to do Um, and a scripture verse that has just always been really helpful to me whenever I feel anxious is Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. And it's really short, so we can all remember it. Um, And it says that the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So in those moments when you're at the doctor and they give you this really scary diagnosis, you can just pause and be still and know that God's going to walk you through this. He's going to guide you. He's going to be there for you every single step of the way. Amen. Amen. Thank you. In that Exodus verse, this was a time in in the history of God's people where they were running from Pharaoh's army right into the Red Sea and they're looking at this body of water in front of them and this this army behind them and they're wondering what to do and the answer was to simply be still and allow God to fight. And and if God can take care of that, which he did, he split the sea and he, he let them walk through on dry land and then he took care of the army behind them. If God can do that, what can he do with our issues? He can handle anything that, that faces us because he's that big of a God. We just sang about him. He's that big of a God. So thanks, Kristen. Uh, Ken, next question is for you. I'm struggling with my job because I don't feel appreciated or valued there. What should I do? And I know that this is specifically someone asking this, but for us in general, what should we do with our jobs if we don't feel appreciated or valued? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. That's a that's a super good question. It's also a hard one, like you said, because I don't 
know what the particular job would be. <clears throat> but <clears throat> what the Bible shares with us in Colossians 3, uh, verse 23, 24, um, is that we work for the Lord and not for men, right? So I think that if we approach our jobs with that and we take that to heart and mentality of it, then that changes things, right? Because we, we're, we're doing our best to, to do the best for the Lord. And I think through that, you'll start to feel some of that satisfaction, some of that hope through that. But I think also there's two parts because the second half of that would to be um, by working, you know, and, and going in with that mentality and that on your heart gives us an opportunity to glorify God every day, right? Because as we do our best to bear Christ's image, um, those people around us, whether it be coworkers, you know, supervisors, um, depending on the job, you know, you may have customers coming in. I think that's a second way that we can just honor God every day. Yeah, that's great. And if, I mean, the question about being valued at our job we might not ever get the value we're looking for out of people, but we will always get it from serving God because he values us and he loves us and he created us for a purpose and we are his children and, and his masterpiece. Yep. And so we can focus on that too. Thanks, Ken. Barry, mm -hmm. what are some financial tips for living a generous life for God? You're our executive pastor. You are a financial planner. You have all the secrets to finances. So give us some, uh, give us in real brief, three minutes or less. How do we uh, live a generous life financially? <laughs> Spend less than you make. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anything else? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. I mean, in our culture, we want a tip or a trick, right? Like everything is 10 list of this or five ways to do that. And generally what you see in scripture is God invites you into a journey, right? It's always a narrative. It's always a journey. We're always on a journey with God. Very rarely is it wham, you know, this brief encounter that that is so life-changing. That does happen in Scripture, but there's always, that's part of the journey as well. So when it comes to finance, when it comes to any resource that God gives us, we talk often here at New Life about time, talent, treasure, and touch. Those are all resources that flow from a generous God. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read that in perfection, in Eden, when God first created the earth, His design was for humanity, each and every one of us, to co-rule, co-reign with Him and to steward his creation well. Stewardship simply means that we take care of something that isn't ours. And so everything that we have, money, time, any resource is a gift given to us by God. Now there's effort in that, we steward, but it's not something that, scripture declares that our ability to work is a gift from God. And so all of those things are a gift. So that's the first thing, is when you're on this journey, when it comes to finances or resource, is to understand that everything we have is a gift and that we don't own it. God owns it. We only steward it. And that cuts against every argument that you'll hear about what it means to manage finances effectively. And here's what I mean by that. Some folks will say, I don't ever have enough. And generally, that's because of lifestyle choices that drive us to a point where we don't have resource. And when we're stewards, it's not our money to begin with, so we've got to manage that well for God's glory. Sometimes circumstances happen outside of our control. That's what we have, like, greatest need and compassion. We'd love to help you. Sometimes we give generously, and sometimes we receive generously. There are seasons of that. But as a financial planner, I can tell you, most of the time, right, most of the time, it's because we put ourselves there. The other thing, though, is that 
if we, uh, kind of contrary to the let's spend whatever we have, we always say, you know, get things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. Yeah. The other side of that is, is we're going to hoard this. This is ours. We've worked for this. And we're gonna, which is, like Kristen said, it's fine when we do that as long as God's like, yeah, that's fine, but it's his money. And inevitably, he's going to go, hey, I want you to do this with my resource. And then you go, oh, well, not like all of that, right? No. Or I want you to make this decision that's going to cost. Every decision we make has a cost. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's another part, portion of that resource. And so we hold all of that very loosely. Great song by 38 Special. Third, hold it loosely. Um, you can look that up later on your iTunes. Without a paddle, it's a soundtrack from that movie. All right. I'm going off stream here. But anyways, <laughs> hold it loosely because it's not ours to begin with. And so whatever he blesses us with, we thank him. And then whatever he wants, he gets. If you do that, Scripture declares you'll be fine. Not that you'll have Ferraris and jet skis, but you'll be fine. So put them to the test. That's the one area where the Scripture says we can put God to the test. And so walk out that journey. Again, this is not a five-minute quick fix. This is a journey. This is a process. If you're in a position where you're like, I am in a terrible spot, it's going to take some time. It just is. I shared last night, Les and I have been married almost 13 years, financially planning the entire time. We are just beginning to hit some breakthrough on that. Success after about 13 years. So it's a journey. Yeah, thanks, Barry. I, uh, I loved when, when I first came here to New Life and I started to hear Pastor Chris say, over and over that we are giving back to God what is already his. And like that shaped like my, my mindset. I know a couple weeks ago during the spiritual disciplines, I talked about giving and, and I shared about how I didn't do a great job at my previous church. But when I came here, I started to give, which you could always do on the app by pressing give or newlifexn.org slash give. And I might have forgot to say that during the announcements earlier, but now I said it, so nailed it. Um, but when you do that, um, like when you give to God, there is this sense that it's, it's coming back to you with God's blessing. And so practicing that, again, it's not like an easy thing. And always like any of the other spiritual disciplines, on the front end, it looks like, can I do this? Because I really want to do these other things. But it's always worth it. Whenever you see that video from Fishbone, it's like, oh, man, so glad that we give to Fishbone because lives are changing. It's so worth it, even though sometimes it feels like there's that enemy or that, that lie in our minds saying that we need to hoard it. We need to keep it for ourselves because it's not ours. It's God's. So anyway, thank you, Barry. Um, Pastor Kristen, so we talked a little bit with Ken about the, uh, the jobs and like what we're called to do. And this kind of kind of stems from that. But how do I know what God wants me to do? How do we know what God's plan is for our lives? Yeah, so there are general callings that God calls all Christians to do. So to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to love your neighbor as yourself, to fulfill the great commission, and to glorify God in all that you do. That's something that we are all asked to do of God. Um, but then there are specific callings um, that he has given to each of us. And those aren't necessarily job-related. I think sometimes, sometimes we, we think that it needs to be based off our profession, but it's not always that way. And oftentimes, that calling is based off of our spiritual gifts. And the question that we want to ask ourselves is, what is God's will? And whenever we discover God's greater plan, he's able to, to work through us to help us be able to figure that out. 
And God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit in four different ways. So that's through prayer, through scripture, through circumstances, and through other believers. And the thing to remember is that Jesus isn't going to give you every single detail, but he is going to guide you through every step of the way. For, for me, I really love to plan. I love to see, I, I love to have a goal and make steps to meet that goal. And I will do it if I say I'm going to do it. But the thing is, is that planning isn't a bad thing. It's necessary, but we need to make sure that it is in line with what God wants us to do. If this is something that you are struggling with right now or you're navigating, there is a book called Whisper by Mark Patterson. And in that book, um, he gives us seven different ways that um, we can um, discern the word of God. And if this is something that you are interested in reading, we actually have copies for you. Um, so if you, after service, if you go through the double doors here and in the center is the next steps area, you'll see the book Whisper there. So if this is something that you are working through, I recommend grabbing that book and taking it home and reading it. And I think that'll be a great resource for you. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Kristen. And what she says is, is true. Grab that book. Like, I know that sometimes whenever we hear that, it's like, well, if I take it, maybe someone else might not get it. We have plenty of them. So grab that book. If you're going to read it, take that book. We want to, to bless you with that. Ken, so kind of bridging off that so we can hear from God. We can hear from God in four different ways, for, through people, through God's word, through, um, through prayer, and through his word. How do I get closer to God? So how do we get close enough so that we can hear from him? I like this one. It's a little bit easier than the first one. Um, so, I mean, a couple of different ways. You know, we obviously, we have the Bible and we have prayer. Um, and, and those are two, two really cool ways to do it. Um, what, what I found that works for me, I spent some time um, over some winter months um, practicing solitude. And so for me, I've, I've got dogs at home uh, and one is about this big and you know, if a blade of grass falls over, she puts on her Rambo costume and, you know, prepares for the worst. And so that's not a good place for me to be because I, I want to be somewhere where I can not only listen to God, but that I can talk to him without distraction. So, you know, no phones and, and no people and just trying to put myself in a way that I can just be with him. Um, another amazing one uh, is worship. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the last song we did fire. Like, I was in the back and just praising God. It was, it was amazing. Um, but there's, there's a couple things with worship, right? So you can kind of get into that melody and, and improve your mood. Um, but also their lyrics. You know, I can't tell you how many times lyrics have jumped out at me. And I've either went to research or just like, wow, I'm going through this and this song is talking to me. Um, so that's another way. Um, a couple other ones, you know, fasting. We talk a lot about that here, you know, and when a lot of us practice the fasting. Um, that's a great way. Uh, also, we just did the spiritual discipline series not too long ago, um, and that's another way that you can go and check that out. But um, for me, just what works, what works the most is just being able to kind of isolate and go by myself and just spend some time directly with God, so... Awesome. Thank you. And when we're obedient to God, he grows our faith. So when we do those yep. things, he's, he's going to grow our ability to hear him and to, to identify when he's talking. We're going to ask one more question from, from our panelists here. So, Pastor Barry, do children and special needs people make it to heaven even if they never trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? 
Yeah, that's a challenging question. Um, it's actually one that's pretty close to my heart, perhaps not for the reason you would think. Um, before I came to New Life, I worked for a human services agency. We provided residential housing and other supportive services to folks with, with uh, mental disabilities. Um, I was the director of the in-home program. We, we provided housing for, you know, close to 75 folks. Um, and before that, I was a direct care worker. I hung out with my buddy Jim a couple times a week, and Jim and I went on a lot of adventures together. And that really opened my heart to folks who have, have mental disabilities. And I often would look at sort of that group. Every year we had a Christmas party, right? And I, uh, I forgot this, but Les mentioned it to me. All the folks would be out on the dance floor just having this incredible time. And I at one point said to Les, this is what heaven must look like, you know? Just this incredible time, these folks just unbridled joy, right? And um, I would just sit and watch and observe, and it was during one of those instances where I said, Lord, what's your plan for, for, for these people? What's your plan? Uh, and so I kind of took a deep dive uh, on that and looked at the scripture, and I was in seminary at the time, so I had all the resources, and I'm looking at it, uh, and, this, and the Bible says absolutely nothing. It's silent. It's one of the issues where the Scripture doesn't say, like, the 12th commandment is this. It's, it's just not there. And so I, was, I struggled with that for a bit and prayed over it. And um, during that season, I really got the sense that the Lord was saying, well, what you're looking at here is individuals who oftentimes can't make choices, right? And so what does the Scripture say about kids? I saw a correlation there, which is why this question just jumped off the page at me. And so I started looking at, at, at kids in the Bible, and obviously Jesus has a heart for children. We see that. But the only instance we have of a death of a child in Scripture where this is alluded to is King David. King David lost a son, and he lost the son because of some, um, so actually some of his choices. And as a result of that, he was fasting and praying that the Lord would heal this child. The child dies, and David does this incredible thing. He gets himself cleaned up. He goes and he worships, which I don't know how he had the capacity to do that. Uh, and then he came back and his servants are like, what's going on? He said, well, while the child was here, I thought the Lord may save him, but uh, he didn't. And so now one day I will go to be with him. And in that moment, I just, it was sometimes you read the Bible and like the words jump off the page and just smack you in the face. And I just found tremendous comfort in that passage at that time. Um, for children and also for folks, frankly, that I considered friends. Mm. Um, and really what it came down to was folks sometimes, depending upon their age or capacity, can't make choices. Now, our question is, where's the line, right? Where's the line? We don't get to determine the line. Mm. Scripture tells us that God judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, not us. We judge fruit, not thoughts and attitudes of the heart or motives of the heart. We don't get to judge that. God is the judge of that. But what the Lord really impressed on me at that time was, but we do what we can to proclaim his truth and love to everyone, whether they be children or the folks at that point that I got to work with and I considered friends. And so every interaction that I had from that point had new life for me, where I got to share and express the truth and love of Jesus in whatever capacity those folks could understand. So much so that it stuck with me to this day, and oftentimes if I see a little guy at Walmart you know, who clearly is like someone that I used to work with, I'll get down on my knee and just say hi and give them a high five and the parents are beaming, 
right? Because in that moment, a lot of those children don't get any attention. And, and I don't have like the definitive, here's what it is. We look to the word of God. Those, that simple reference is all that we have. So that's what we have from the Lord. And that's what we go with. But I found great comfort in that, in that moment, and I hope that response kind of brings comfort to folks as well. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Barry. I love that earlier we got to see the, um, the Pastor Barry that said for his birthday, he just wants nobody be around him. And then we get to see the soft, gentle, marshmallow center of Barry right there, getting on his knees and giving a high five. So he I love that. He wants to serve in the galaxy is what he's saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to be a greeter <laughs> over there. And yeah. You talked about gifting. <laughs> And the Lord has not revealed that to me yet, ever, forever, ever. Okay, okay, okay. So we had, uh, you're fine. We had, so that that was challenging. I mean, you did a great job with that. Uh, Another uh, difficult one here, but this is for Pastor Kristen. Why are some people able to have kids while other people are not? So there are a lot of things that happen that we don't want to happen because we live in a fallen world. And I think of Sarah in the Bible. And Sarah was promised through Abraham that she was going to conceive a son. And at this time, she was in her 70s. And she didn't have Isaac until she was 90 years old. So in that period of waiting, she must have thought that either Abraham was lying or that God just wasn't going to fulfill his promise. But the reality is that God did fulfill his promise, but it was in God's time, not Sarah's time. And we need to trust that God is going to fulfill his promise in our lives, just like he fulfilled the promise that he made to Abraham and Sarah. Think of it like this. Um, Picture a really beautiful painting. And if you put your face up really close to that painting, You can only see a really small part of it. But if you take a few steps back, you can see the painting at large, and you can see how beautiful it is. You can see how the artists took their time with all the details, and it's just a beautiful masterpiece. See, we see the really tiny picture. We see what what God wants, what we are praying for, but we don't see what God is doing. And God is creating this masterpiece that you just can't see just yet. Um, my husband and I are unable to have biological children. And so this question in particular is something that we wrestled with God with for eight years. This season in particular was the darkest season of my life so far. And I thought it was never going to end. But if we hadn't gone through that season, we never would have adopted two beautiful children. And who knows where their life would have been if we didn't go through that struggle. Um, if you are struggling with this, I hear you loud and clear. It's really, really hard, and I am really sorry that you are going through this. Um, but I do want to encourage you with two things. Um, one is to really seek God for guidance. There's a lot of different avenues that you can take here, um, and I really want to encourage you to not lose sight of what God wants for you and to continue to seek him. Um, The next one is to find another couple that has struggled with this. Um, That will be really helpful to you as you are navigating this. Someone who can just pray with you and for you. Um, Someone who you can go to to just vent and let it out because it is really hard and there's a lot of that you will not understand and we will never understand this side of heaven. Um, But I encourage you to find another couple um, that has gone through this as well. See, Jake and I, we only saw the really tiny picture 
in our lives. We saw that we really wanted children, but we had no idea what God was doing. And now, eight years later, we're able to look back at that masterpiece that he created, and it is so much better than anything I was praying for. See, God took our hardship and made it into something so beautiful, and it's a testimony of how good he is and how faithful he is in the storms of life. And so I just want to encourage you that if you are struggling with this or really anything in life, that you can, you, we only see that small picture, that when we take that step back and, and we see what God is doing, it's incredible, and that will be your greatest testimony, and I really believe that it will bring people to Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. And I know that that can't be easy to share, but I wouldn't have wanted to ask anyone else because I just know that, that you've been able to see God in some miraculous ways that, that we might not have been able to. So thank you for sharing that with us. Ken, we're going to end uh, with this question. How can I connect with more people who love Jesus and are serving him? Good question. So number one, you got to find yourself a good church that preaches the truth, right? Because you're going to walk into a, a family who are seeking the same things, you know? So you, you're going to find part of that there. Um, the next thing would be to find out what opportunities are available. You know, where, where could you serve? What are you interested in serving? Um, small groups. Maybe you have an idea for a small group, um, or maybe you just want to check them out, right? And, and the reason why I say that is because you may have a small group idea that isn't being done and someone else is like, oh, I really wish there was this small group, right? And so that's a couple of those ways that, you know, to kind of check that out. Um, one of the ministries I love doing, and I'm not saying it just because they're here, but it's Fishbone. It's such an amazing opportunity to, to share, you know, time with those kids. Um, it, it's an absolute blast, right? And a couple of things that come along with all that is, you know, anytime that you're serving, anytime that you're doing something in a small group, there's fellowship, right? That's the best part is the fellowship with other people who are like-minded like you, right? So a um, couple little quick plugs, newlifexn.org slash serve and newlifexn.org slash groups, okay? You can check those areas out. Um, but yeah, I would just surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, and that's going to kind of feed off of you and you're going to get to see and do opportunities that, that, that interest you. Um, one thing I do want to share a scripture verse with you, um, that I had saved on here, uh, is Ecclesiastes 4.12. Um, and it says that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer three or even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I think that kind of puts that into, you know, kind of perspective there. Um, but wanting to connect with other people, that's something that God had intended because he wants us to pursue that community. He wants us, because we're not made to go through this alone. And so that's why he created us the way he did. So, Amen. Yeah, I... I 100% agree. God's word is pretty clear in that we were designed to, to be together. And I love that Ecclesiastes verse because, because God makes us in such a way that when we're in community, when we're fellowshiping with other people, we're at our best. And everything we talked about today, so many of the issues come down to this idea of don't do it alone. Do it with God and then go through it with other people, mentors, small group uh, people, and, and, and walk through life together. Can we give a round of applause to our panel for doing a great job, answering some really hard questions.
We're going to pray for them and for us as well before uh, we, we continue with our service. Dear God, I thank you so much for Pastor Barry and Pastor Kristen and for Ken, and I thank you for their willingness to share their life experience as well as their love for you and to be able to point to you in all these situations. God, you have the answers. We don't always, but you always do. God, I pray that you give us the ability to trust in you in all circumstances. I pray that we'll be able to give you the uh, the the, the ability to lead us whenever we want to lead. We want to direct ourselves. And God, I pray that you'll bring people in our lives so that we can have that, that fellowship, that community that will help us to be who you created us to be. We thank you. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.